I retweeted last night the latest jetpack video that I've seen. Oh, my gosh. That's the best jetpack I've seen so far. Not close. That one. The other ones I've thought, oh, I don't know if I'd have the guts to try it. This one looks like something I could manage. I would try this out right now. Absolutely. I wonder what that one costs. That is awesome. The other day when I was hang, hanging out at the uh, marina there by the Marriott in San Diego, um, uh, the the next door boat guy, next boat down, guy had those boots that you, you strap them on and the hose goes in the water and somehow or other you use jets of water to levitate in your boots and fly around. <laughs> really? yeah. Wow, cool. Yeah. yeah, check those out online. As I, I'm not cut out for that. but How come we don't have more Twitter followers? Because we don't have big boobs. Well, that's not fair to people that are regular boobed size and uh, have more Twitter followers. Mm, there is a strong correlation. You, you have a conservative commentator of various levels of uh, wit and or wisdom. If they are a pretty girl with cleavage, they will have eight to ten times as many followers. Oh, no doubt about that. I don't think we probably tweet enough. When I watch when I look that. At a lot of people with a lot of followers, they tweet. 50 times a day and we'll go we'll go on rolls where we don't tweet for a week so yeah i don't think that helps anything yeah. but those thirty thousand of you that follow us uh you get a lot of good content thank you thank it, you it doesn't so cost much. you anything to follow on right yeah come on all you do is take why not give give us a follow ah uh, so listen we have a lot to get to this uh this hour it would uh, not make my life any better if we had five times as many followers by the way I don't get any money out of it. Not really. No. It couldn't hurt. And speaking of big boobs, I was going to talk about the Kardashians. I know we got a clip to play and everything like that. They're coming. It's been in the news a fair amount lately because they announced this is their final season. Good. Uh, and uh, this is the final season of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. And there's been a look back at what that started and what they've become. It really is pretty damn impressive. Because when it launched, 2003, I think. When mom targeted this uh, or uh, marketed the sex tape. If you knew the name Kardashian at all, it was because of dad, O.J. Simpson's lawyer. If you knew the name at all, Mm -hmm. he's an afterthought now. And all those women are among the, and I saw the numbers in the New York Times the other day, they're all among the biggest influencers on the planet. You know I hate that word. In all kinds of different categories, and they get paid accordingly. Yep. It's really quite amazing. So a lot of good stuff to come, some serious, some ridiculous. Uh, But first, let's take a fun look back at the week that was. It's Cow Clips of the Week. Authentic has won the Kentucky Derby! Oh, no. He whacked a ball that might have hit a lines person back there. Oh, my goodness. You don't do that. I will not take his word for it. He wants us to inject bleach. This is going to be the kind of thing that your children are going to say, Dad, I can look up to you now, and I never could before. You, you have to hold people accountable for criminal acts. And if you don't hold people accountable, what happens is they see that as tacit approval. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. These gender reveals have gone too far. I think by the end of this year, um, we're likely to be through at least the most acute phase of this epidemic. Obviously, anyone who knows me, and you do, that Mm -hmm. I would never be muzzled about anything when it comes to science and evidence and the facts. Set a punch means devastation. Conan set the world on fire. Human pathos and insight, there's no one from higher. Uh, 
you don't like the term influencers. No, it, it sickens me. <laughs> That's what they're getting paid for, though. Yeah, there I know. Are people it. making gazillions of dollars for I being know an influencer. It. I know it. Mostly, I want to influence you to look at my boobs, and then I'll raising you. their prices on prescription jugs. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I think they're over the counter jugs. Oh. Um, if you and I'm talking to guys here almost entirely. If you go to somebody's Twitter feed because they're hot, I think you're a moron. I oh, really do. Oh, I really now. think you're a moron. Well, let's see. That's anti-beautyist. It's not those people's fault. They were born with a symmetrical face. Um, we were talking about Elizabeth Holmes' trial, and, uh, and we, you know, we barely got to the punchline there at the end. Um, first of all, we got a couple of texts. One saying the. <laughs> Sean doing Elizabeth Holmes' voice with the wolf. Oh, ne- sh- sh- wow. That bit never gets old, so many said. Giving away our secrets. Uh, and I want they, theater of the mind here. And they also said at the trial, which will be within listening voice of several stations we're on, obviously, uh, Holmes' attorney should ask for a change of venue somewhere where Armstrong and Getty is not heard. Yeah, you'll have to ask jury members. Have, <laughs> do you listen to the Armstrong and Getty show? Because you're yeah, not going to have an open tell mind. Tell us about the wolf! You're not, <laughs> you're not going to have an open mind here. Um <laughs> But you're saying they're going to claim she's nutso? That's how she's going to get out of this? Yeah, they... Uh, what's she the might be, actually. I, she might actually be some sort of delusional crazy. I guess ambition is delusional now. <laughs> I remember watching her on Charlie Rose and everybody buying that whole story hook, line, and sinker, and she was selling it 100%. I think she believed it. It's possible. She was the female Steve Jobs, Charlie Rose would tell us. Yeah. She'd wear her black turtleneck. Specifically, because unlike TV trials, uh, you're supposed to disclose everything you have to the other side so that the evidence can be weighed and the rest of it. Um, the Holmes defense team notified the government of intent, quote, to introduce expert evidence relating to a mental disease or defect or any other mental condition of the defendant bearing on the issue of guilt. Yeah, she's she's got a, a screw loose. I, I've, I've also read that despite what... You know, Hollywood scriptwriters have you believe the oh we're pleading insanity. It's not as open and shut as it would be. And I believe the the scale of this case. I don't know if it's like a federal thing or not. But they were saying there's something about this case that makes it not a shoe in that this is going to be uh, a get out of jail free card, so mm. to speak. Uh, during the clips of the week, we had that thing in there about the gender reveal parties. Yes. New York Times article. This was the headline. Several recent gender reveal parties have resulted in catastrophe, and some critics say the spectacles are over-reliant on, bi- on the binary notion of gender. All right. So your problem with these parties, not that it's just all kinds of kind of over the top. Um, Too much gender language at the gender reveal parties? You're, Please do not uh, use gendered language to, to address everyone. Again, why did we invite him to this? <laughs> I told, I warned you. It did, well, okay. You're so out of touch with 99% of people. If you're going with the, you know, you're just perpetuating the whole, there's a boy and a girl aspect of yep. gender. Yep. 99% of people don't agree with you on that. Nope. But 99% of colleges and universities are teaching that, that ridiculousness. Look, if you're a super effeminate guy or a super butch gal or whatever, I don't think anybody ought to be mean to you. For any, I don't think anybody ought to be mean to anybody who doesn't deserve it in general. Uh, but the idea that, oh no, little boys only want to run around and play rough and tumble and wrestle because they've been indoctrinated by their evil fathers. I mean, it's just so dumb. Well, it's so divorced from reality. And, and quit trying to convince your kid they're transgender, too. Oh man, is that sick. 
Let your kids be kids. Leave them alone. Leave them alone. Hey, teachers, leave those kids alone. So, you, which reminds me of what's the greatest guitar solo of all time. Somebody sent us an article. Could you could you be more descriptive about how uh, how you got that article? I'm going to because it's kind of interesting. Oh. It's charming. It is. It's charming. It's old schooly. Um, it is low tech. Somebody who's a fan of the show thought we'd be interested in this and took an article from a newspaper and put it in the mail and mailed it to us. Now, that is old-timey. Wow. Not only do you have a paper newspaper, but you put it in the mail and sent it to us. It's an act of kindness. It Thank is. you. No, it's helpful. I'm glad it is. And I was just mentioning to Joe earlier, because we get paper papers here. Yeah. I, uh, I subscribe to the Wall Street Journal on my phone. It's kind of pricey, but I do. Um, I get it in paper form. It's way easier to navigate. A newspaper than it is oh. a website. There's okay, no, there's no, <laughs> there's no contest. In terms, I of just so miss a regular newspaper. In terms of quickly like seeing what's available and all the different sections and what do I want to read or whatnot, way easier. Yeah, yep. I understand why we don't do it, but but maybe I'll get to the greatest guitar solos of all time, at least the top ten. I think you know for our audience, which is primarily male between a certain age and a certain age, yeah, probably resonates. To I a hope one of my guitar solos are on there. I, I invented "Dweedly Dweedly." That I, was I you. Actually, came up with that. It, was yeah. you? That's my lick. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I had one other thing I wanted to mention. Oh, uh, you watched the uh, the kickoff to the NFL season? Yeah, last I do night. want to talk about that. How uh, how it went? It was uh, it was insufferably woke, as you might expect. But there was one very funny moment. <laughs> That uh, you might enjoy hearing about. Cool. Uh, also, Patrick Mahomes is the best football player ever. With apologies to Tom Brady. And paid accordingly. At least for now. you got to stay healthy, though, which is, uh, that's the real miracle especially, of Tom Brady. Especially if you run around. Yeah. It's harder when you run around. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all that on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So New York has announced you can open your restaurant and bar just at only twenty five percent capacity, and they're, they're doing oh, that, that's that's fine. They're doing that various places across the country. What do, what do restaurant and bar owners have to say about that? We'll get to that this hour. Yes, indeed. Uh, so uh, I I Joe Getty am an NFL addict. I have tried to give it up. Uh, my favorite team, uh, some of my favorite players, turned out to be uh, awful human beings. And it just drove me away, and then they started winning again, and I crawled back like a sick junkie. Pull me back in. I have yeah, been I an just... NFL addict, no doubt about it. And I loved it. I enjoyed it. I got I got so much enjoyment out of it, and talking about it, and watching shows about it, and just yeah, I know. There's nothing wrong with having a hobby. Yeah, I you got to do something. I don't know. I'm at war with myself. <laughs> well, so anyway, partly because a couple of good buddies of mine are big Kansas City Chiefs fans, and it was the first game of the year, and Patrick Mahomes is their quarterback, an unbelievably excited player, exciting player. I decided I'll flip it on last night, and the pregame was predictably insufferably woke. Um, and you know, I'm I'm conflicted on this because number one, civil rights are it's an incredibly important issue, always has been, always will be. On the other hand, there are parts of the narrative going on, as we've discussed at length, that are utterly fictional. The idea that cops are hunting down black people in the cities across the country. Um, and also, the a lot of the legitimate civil rights uh, movement has been co-opted by Marxists and this anti-racist crowd that are, number one, racist. Number two, they're Marxists. And so when I hear various 
half-wit sports commentators going on and on about how wonderful this is and how beautiful it is. I, I'm just, I'm a little conflicted. Chris Collinsworth, I'm looking at you. But anyway, so you have the uh, the inevitable public service announcement about how we're all in this together, and all which is fine. You have these two uh, beautiful young women, uh, Grammy Award winners who I'd never heard of before, singing the national anthem, uh, wearing T-shirts, one that said, say her name, Breonna Taylor. The other said, George Floyd, rest in peace, even though there's absolutely no evidence that anything racial was going on with the George Floyd thing, but that's conveniently ignored. Uh, but they did a beautiful job on the anthem. The Houston Texans remained in the locker room, hmm. both for the uh, that civil rights song, uh, Lift Every Voice. Is that what it's called? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, and... Um, and so, so is that a response to Texas politics, probably, for the team, just to keep people... I don't know. Some teams what, are deciding to do, like the Dolphins put out a statement that said for the season, we're, we're just staying in the locker room for both anthems and we'll come out when it's time right. to play. Right, we just don't even want to deal with it. We're here to play football. Uh, the the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, everybody stood and except one guy who knelt with his fist raised and they locked arms and the rest of it. And Chris Collinsworth made just an unctuous statement. That's today's word of the day, unctuous. Unctuous. How all these players want is civil rights, and I think it's a beautiful thing. Well, that's because you have a sportscaster's understanding of what's going on. But anyway, it's fine. I knew it was coming. I love football, so I sat there. And then they announced in the booth, and both teams have agreed under the leadership of their quarterbacks to have a moment of unity together on the field before the game. And I thought, well, that's kind of nice in a way. All right. And so both teams walked out uh, to hug each other, to link arms, to look at each other and have a moment of unity. And the Kansas City Chiefs fans reacted. Now, you would probably have to do a poll of the fans. Why were you booing exactly? I would guess that a little bit of it was, all right, that's enough. You're killing us with this stuff. It's been going on for half an hour. Yeah. But most of it was probably, wait, we hate the Texans. We're here to be What are you hugging them for? Break his neck! Kill him! (laughs) Kill Deshaun Watson! Who's a very talented quarterback himself. Uh, I just thought that was hilarious. It cracked me up. The beautiful moment of unity. Boo! (laughs) Screw unity! Boo! (laughs) Tribal warfare! Yay! So, let's hope it settles in and they just start playing football. You know, and, and we've got past the, the main theme of my objection, everybody's objection, is I don't need divisive politics in my football game. It just, and, and some people say, is this a perfect Mott and Bailey argument, by the way? Another thing we've talked about. People say, so you don't think the players should be able to use their platform to, to, go, to ask for civil rights? No, 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 that's not what I said. I just don't think they should do it at work. I mean, if they want to tweet all day long or give speeches or form coalitions or charities or do interviews or whatever, that's fine. Just don't do it, like, in the game. But, you know, it's a voluntary uh, exchange, and, and I'll check out if I want to check out. Today's September, if I can check out as a junkie. Today's September 11th. Joe Biden put out this statement. Might be 100% sincere. It's also, I think, really good politics. It's always handy when those things converge. I'm not going to make any news today. I'm not going to talk about anything other than 9-11. We took 
all our advertising down. It's a solemn day. That's how we're going to keep it. You can determine whether I make news, but I'm not going to be holding any press conferences. He might 100% be sincere about that. It's also way to his advantage to not have a press conference. <laughs> and and I think the news of I'm taking down my ads is getting him more positive press than any ad he could have run. Yeah. So it's good politics, and he might sincerely believe it. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. That's fine. I would have... I would have liked to have heard something about unity, and maybe we can recapture the feeling that we all had when we were in it together, but it's up to him. He's running his campaign. And uh, whether this is the world's uh, most brilliant masterstroke or a mistake or whatever, it's not going to matter if he drools and wanders off the stage on the first debate. (laughs) Come on. Or if he has a moment like he had the other day, where you really needed a, a gibberish translator there, to have no, any idea what he's talking about. There's no precedent of drooling. I feel that was that was quite unfair. Oh, that was all right. That was a bit of a broad characterization of a man whose whose faculties are no longer uh, you, you know, know as sharp. We should. And play. again, I hate. I, I'm ashamed of myself, Sean. Thank you for calling me out. I should not make jokes about the ravages of age. I I think Joe Biden has really lost a step, and he didn't have any steps to lose. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm going to continue to make jokes about the ravages of age as an aging person who's suffering the ravages. <laughs> That's your choice. Makes you a bad person. Armstrong and Getty. will soon allow indoor dining at 25% capacity. A good first step, says Washington Palmer. But with winter coming, he's concerned it won't be nearly enough for mom and pops like his to survive. 25% dining is maybe four tables, and we think we really can't pay full staff rent all the utilities just on four tables. Nationwide, more than 18,000 restaurants that shut down towards the beginning of the pandemic were closed for good by August. Gabriel Stolman owns several restaurants. If you don't get more government support, then what? There's not a way for our restaurants to survive winter with 25% of our seats indoors, no outdoor dining, and no more government aid. A new survey found 40% of restaurant owners say they were likely to go out of business in the next six months without additional financial help from the government. That's something. That is chilling. They announced for New York yesterday that you can open if at 25%, it's 50% of something else or whatever, but for bars and restaurants. And people saying, well, we we can't stay open at that. It won't work. Right. So uh, to set this up again... Some folks find it very difficult to hold two thoughts in their heads at once, and that's fine. You're the way God made you. But it is at once true that the COVID is a nasty and highly contagious disease that most people do fine with, but can kill people or hurt them, hurts their brains, for instance. There's this piece I was just reading about how in some people, and they're not 100% sure why, it attacks your brain, the uh, the virus invades brain cells to try to replicate itself. That's what viruses do. They live to replicate, kind of like me um, in my younger days. But uh, some people have some pretty serious brain consequences. So it's a nasty disease. That is true. At the same time, we have 
react. We have overreacted to some extent and reacted dumbly and arbitrarily, and it's very frustrating. Having said that, this clip is getting a fair amount of attention. The county health director for L.A. County, Los Angeles County, one Dr. Ferrer, was doing a little seminar with a bunch of uh, health people, and I think it may have been school uh, administrators. And she was guesstimating when school might reopen, but her choice of words was a little odd. Clip 30. Uh, And then what is the experience around um, cases and outbreaks uh, when we open even for a relatively small number of people to be on campus? So we uh, don't realistically anticipate that we would be moving to either Tier 2 or to reopening uh, K-12 schools at least during, uh, at least until after the election, after, you know, in early November. Like, when we just look at the timing of everything, it seems to us a more realistic uh, approach to this would be to think that we're going to be where we are now until uh, we get after, until we, we are done with the election. What's the election got to do with it? What? would explain her repeatedly using the elections as a timetable and not just, as she said once, early November. Or, you know. No, it's the first week in November. She'd just say November. That's right. The, the, it's the first Tuesday, so it'd be November. It'd be, we'll, we'll open in November. Why would you say the election? If you're a health worker talking about when schools will open, why are the elections top of mind? Oh, that's interesting. And what what is her position? Her time? She's the county health director. Okay. No. she has been granted vast and sweeping emergency powers to open and close businesses and schools. So, uh, if you're going to be conspiratorial about this, would you have to believe that she and others think keeping schools closed hurts Trump? Yes. I'm not sure. Particularly because her political bent is extremely sympathetic to the teachers' unions who are, in effect, keeping California schools closed. Okay, that angle kind of makes sense. I was going to say, just general for, like, parents and students, I think Trump is going to start really hammering this whole school thing clear up to Election Day and say Biden's for keeping them closed, I'm for keeping them open. Yeah. And them being closed is going to hurt Biden. Yeah. But uh, Another thing we say around here is evidence is not proof. This is not proof that she's keeping the schools It's closed, weird to use the election to- as a date to... to a shorthand yeah. for yeah, that's is from that, November I, or or from why didn't she say six weeks from now? Yeah. Roughly six know. weeks from now till after the election. Yeah, it's it's going to be after the election. That's odd stuff. So, uh, who compiled this list of the greatest rock and roll guitar solos of all time? Does it matter? Your votes. Prince has got to be on there somewhere. Pretty highly up there. The the princely one, underrated as a guitar slayer. I'll give you the top ten. Please? He's one of those people, Prince, that could do so many different things. I just heard what is inevitably uh, toward the top of the list this morning, and I listened to it for the 500th time. One of those songs I can't get tired of. And and that's a short list. I I practice the guitar pretty much every day. I rarely miss a day. Mm-hmm. Good man. Of applied practice, like scales and learning new things, and I still suck. It really is disappointing. It <laughs> well, reminds me of... I play the same things over and over again, and I suck. So? 
Uh, Woody Allen mentions it's in like his the book. COVID thing. Some open, some closed. Everybody got about the same amount. Woody Allen, the movie director, became obsessed with jazz, and he played the clarinet when he was uh, like in high school. And he's practiced diligently and played in a band his whole life. And he said, "I've worked so hard, I've taken so many lessons, and I still suck." <laughs> there is this, there is something to talent. Although I've come across some YouTube videos recently that really show. How much work talented people put into being good? Oh, yeah. The whole how much is talent and how much is, is effort, I, I love that discussion because I don't know the answer myself. I've asked so many different people that. Well, greatness happens when talent meets effort. Right. But, but you know, those of us who aren't good at stuff, we like to believe that, well, I wasn't born as talented as him, but the talented people work so freaking hard. Yeah. Yes. I was watching this video, um, a guy out of Portland, uh, you probably don't know, but he's a jazz trumpeter. Um, Charlie Porter, I think is his name, and he released a video. If he's not Wynton Marsalis, no, I don't know him. Right. Uh, he released <laughs> this video. He thought uh, people, I thought people might be interested in this. I'm learning this Dizzy Gillespie piece for this Dizzy Gillespie tribute. Thing. Nice. Famous. Anyway, so he's doing his trumpet, and he did a kind of a time where time speeds up like a flower blooming or whatever. But anyway, time lapse. The yeah, amount yeah. of time he put into learning this solo, and I thought nobody who plays a musical instrument ever puts that much time into anything. Right, right. And this guy has got more talent, you know, in his little finger than everybody, but he just put like 50 hours worth of effort into learning one solo for one song in a way that I never have and never will, but I keep talking about how I suck because I just wasn't born talented. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it depends It depends on the individual. Speaking yeah. of guitars, just real briefly, you might be amused to hear this. For the first time in a very long time yesterday, I went upstairs... Uh, I plugged in uh, my whole setup, I played loud, and I sang at full val- volume, because I think the band's getting back together. Oh, wow. And, uh, and, and you know what? About three songs in, the first heart attack was pretty painful. <laughs> but the, the second and third were like, eh, it's nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> Man, it takes more effort than people realize. I remember reading when uh, Jerry Garcia, when the dead would go out on tour, he'd practice six hours a day for the months leading up to the tour. He was already good. Yeah. Yeah. But that's how much practicing he'd do to get ready to tour. It's a, There's more effort that goes into it with talented people than Amen. I think we give credit to. Uh, top ten rock and roll guitar solos of all time. Eh, you know, you could argue about all these, right? I will I will do, uh, like, uh, singing them. You'll have to. <laughs> I don't know all of these. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Seeing okay, I'm seeing like number eighteen. I'd put higher up. Dwayne Allman and Dickie Betts on Blue Sky. Oh. Well, you could study that the rest of your life. Their two approaches to that guitar solo, just amazing. And then I saw a YouTube video of the other day of like a ten year old saying, "Here's Dwayne's part, and he plays that. Here's Dickie's part, and he plays that. I hate You're that child. ten. Get out of here. Go I hate mow a lawn or something." Here's your top ten rock go and roll. Pick your nose and, and look for frogs. I don't know Richie Blackmore's solo on Deep Purple's Highway Star. I don't know. Oh, Highway Star is a rocking song. Okay. I Nobody's going to take my car. I, 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 I don't know that song, so. Go ahead. Are you going to sing a little of the solo? I can sing the S out of that song, but I'm not going to do <laughs> the it solo, here. The solo, though. Give me a little of the solo. Just a tiny uh, bit. Okay, cool. That sounds yeah, good. Number, that's kind of the middle. It's one of those. Number nine, and you know, I don't want to get too deep down the rabbit hole for guitar player or music or something like that. Far. But um, I'm wondering, you know, you shouldn't judge art by how hard it was to do. That's not the way you you, you judge art. Right. The difficulty of doing it. Yes. Some of them are very, sometimes art is very very simple, and it was the perfect thing. Yes. But 
at number nine, Stevie Ray Vaughan's Texas Flood. You can't play that. <laughs> it I is know too hard to play. Yeah. I mean, it's just the difficulty level on that is extraordinarily high. Yeah, he was a miraculous player. Um, yes. Uh, number eight, Eddie Hazel on Funkadelic's Maggot Brain. Don't know that one. Don't know that one. I'm going to check that out. Funkadelic sounds sweet. I, I've woken up some days with the Maggot Brain, but I don't know the song. They obviously felt like they had to put B.B. King on there somewhere. Obviously, you do, but they picked B.B. King on The Thrill is Gone. I wouldn't put that in his top ten solos. Mm, so I feel purist. like they did a token B.B. King and didn't even do a good job of that. Number six, Eddie Van Halen on Van Halen's Eruption. Mm-hmm. Sure. Change the world. This gets Musically. to my whole how hard is it? This one's not hard, really, at all, but it was the perfect thing. Slash on Guns N' Roses' Sweet Child of Mine. Right. Very simple, but perfect. Starts out like a child could play it, then the next time through a little bit harder than the next time. He just unleashes it with his big top hat on and his crazy hair going everywhere. Yeah, that's like a child came up with that. Yeah. You child. Uh, <laughs> number six, Jimi Hendrix all along the watchtower. You could have picked any Jimi Hendrix. To put sure. In. Virtually, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Did num- he play his guitar like upside down or something like that? Yeah, upside down left-handed guitar or upside down right-handed guitar. Wow. Yeah. Number three, Jimmy Page on Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven. Clearly. See, some people would have got the actual guitar solos. We have Joe singing the guitar solos. Dang, you I think know. it's better. Is that the best you can come up we with? We don't want to get blocked or something. <laughs> I don't Copyright something. I love Led Zeppelin. I don't find that much enjoyment from Stairway. Mm. I, I certainly don't need to hear it again ever well, right. again in my life. Yeah, yeah, I'm just worn out by it. Number uh, two. Let me think about my favorite Jimmy Page song uh, solo that's not that. I'll think about it. Okay. Number two, Prince Purple Rain. It's pretty good. Yes. His best thing that he ever did was it was him and Clapton and a bunch of other just black belts of the guitar. Tom doing, Petty? Yeah, yeah, doing some sort of Beatles tribute. It was <laughs> yeah, George Harrison. Let me take over here. Yeah, yeah. Yes, they were doing uh, While My Guitar Gently Weeps uh, while George was inducted posthumously into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a solo artist. And all the other black belts just looked in awe it, it as was, he took over. It was pretty impressive. Yeah, amazing. Uh, number one, according to this, these people. Oh, wait a minute. Well, they've uh, there are two that need to be in the top ten, okay. and and there's only room for one. But what's number one? Comfortably numb, David Gilmore. That's absolutely right. Uh, the, <laughs> they, uh, they made the right choice. <laughs> well, no, that's that's yeah, that's that may be my favorite guitar solo of yeah. all time. Um, among his others, I'm a David Gilmore freak. But uh, the dual guitar solo from uh, Hotel California. Yeah, that's that's got to be somewhere on the top 100. Yeah, I mean that's that's one of the most played and sung and imitated pieces of music ever played. Hmm. Is uh, Joe Walsh and uh, help me, Felder? And Felder left Don the band. Felder? Don Felder, yeah, their their dual guitar thing. Um, uh... that's the best part of that guitar solo. <laughs> 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 so Joe Biden got run out of the nineteen eighty eight race. Yeah. Um, yes, he did. He ran three times, never won a, a state. Never won. Mu- got more than one percent when he was much younger and much sharper. Yeah. Yep. yep but yep. the media's handling of some of the stories that ran him out of the eighty eight race. Pretty interesting montage. If you haven't heard it, that's on the way. Armstrong and Getty. There you go. Nice job, Michael. Huh? I'm wearing a top hat right now. 
I sung it better. I wear top hats every day, like, because I'm a slash guy. How many bracelets is that? It's like 15. A lot of bracelets. Um, uh, so this is when Joe Biden was running for president in 1988. I he, think it's 88, yeah. Yeah, he, he left the race early uh, for a variety of things that had happened, including exaggerating about his past, and this is the way the media handled it. Democratic presidential candidate Joseph Biden today faces a controversy. Three weeks ago at a debate at the Iowa State Fair, he used phrases identical to those delivered by British Labor Party leader Neil Kinnock. Biden seemed to be claiming Kinnock's vision and life as his own. Why is it that my wife is sitting out there in the audience is the first in her family to ever go to college? Why is Glenis the first woman in her family in a thousand generations? To be able to get the university. Uh, this, yeah, this are... is. Uh, do we have time for the right clip? That's the wrong clip. That's unfortunate. That's different oh, than what we played son earlier. Son of a gun. Interesting stuff, but uh, it is. Different. It's a little more subtle, though. I like the uh, the other one. Where is it? I don't know. I thought this was ready. I don't hear this on other radio shows. Hmm. Sloppy. I'm just going to keep yelling until I find it. Oh, it's 32. Senator Joseph Biden may have more explaining to do. The new questions stem from taped remarks of Biden during an April campaign appearance in New Hampshire. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. Went back to law school and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only 123 credits. Biden now concedes he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class, that he does not have three degrees from college, and that he was not named outstanding political science student (laughs) in college. Newsweek says Biden actually went to school on a half scholarship, ended up near the bottom of his class, and won only one degree, not three. Joe Biden ranked 76th in a class of 85 at the University of Syracuse Law School. I mean, this guy comes off this whole thing as a flyweight. Now Biden says Newsweek is right. His memory had failed him. And I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, frankly. Joe Biden was victimized by the truth. Bye-bye, Biden. He may not know it yet, but I think this is very diff- going to be very difficult for him to recover. Is Joe Biden dead meat, yes or no? I think so. Bob. Terminal condition. Terminal. Eleanor. Yes, unless he comes in third in Iowa. <laughs> Morton. Dying. I say dead. <laughs> How do you get away with with saying, I forgot that I only have one degree and not three? And I was pretty much dead freaking last in my class, not at the top. And uh, Well, anyway. You know, unless he comes out and says, listen, I had a mental illness. I've been treated for it. I'm fine now. Shouldn't this be an issue? You'd think. Oh, well. Hello, Elizabeth Holmes here. I wanted to announce that I just married Billy Evans. I uh, figure-sticked him first to make sure that he'd live until he was at least 85. Uh, that's I should be out of jail by then. Now, final thoughts. Here's your host, Joe Getty. Wow, Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos right there. Let's get a final thought from everybody. Michelangelo, final thought. Oh, yeah, today we did uh, best guitar solo, so uh, tomorrow, or I guess... Next show, best tuba solos there you and go. best use of cymbals. <laughs> I used to play the tubas, you know. Positive Sean, final thought. Yes, uh, new episode of my favorite show going on TV right now. The Boys dropped. Uh, looking forward to watching that when I get home. Uh, not for the kids. Not for the kids. Jack, a final thought for the folks? Yes, I know. Trump had Trump stakes in Trump University. My point with uh, my tweet last night of Brett Baer interviewing Biden's guy and us playing that Biden stuff there is... 
Don't start smugly thinking that it's only the Republicans or Trump that spin and make crap up of everything. As you've just heard on the show today, there's plenty of that to go around with everybody. Politics is a grubby, grubby business. My final thought, we shared with you the article, Why White People Owning Dogs is Racist. I do own a dog, but at least I'm not a white man who owns a black dog. Wait a minute. I am a white. Quick, cut my mic. Cut my mic. Has anybody ever honestly forgotten how many college degrees they have? Anybody ever? For where they graduated? I, I actually don't know where I graduated. I don't know that either. I don't care. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. Sure, it was at the very top. So many people, thanks a little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. You can download any segment you missed via podcast. The articles, the videos we made reference to, they're there. Oh, the brilliant woke versus racist video. Best thing ever. Send it to your friends. Send the link, armstrongandgetty.com. We'll see you next week. God bless America. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Knott's Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. Now the time has come to go. If this still cop was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. Time! <laughs> <laughs> <sighs>